Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I want you to turn there. And as you're turning there, I want to bring us to the beginning of time, the beginning of Scripture in Genesis 1 and 2. I want to talk you through the first couple chapters, and then we'll land in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. When you read uh, the beginning of the Bible, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created. You, you see this, uh, what I call the song of creation. It's a song. How many of you always got a song? How many love to sing? How many of you, maybe your friends and family don't care for your music, but you love to sing? How many of you get confused when it comes to the words, but you don't care anyway? Come on. You just make them up as they come. Hey, hey, what's up? Hey, come on, somebody. The song of creation, you you see this rhythm kind of unfold in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and it's a beautiful thing. You, You see the Bible says, and God said, and so it was, and it was good. We see that pattern over the first two chapters of Genesis 1 and 2. God said, let there be light. So it was. There was light, and it was good. In fact, I want these two sections right here. I want you to say this after me. Say, God said. said. Now, come on, say it with some conviction. Say it with with some passion. On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. I like it. I like it. How many know when God speaks, things happen? God said. And then the scripture tells us, and so it was. This section right here, I want you to say, and so it was. And so it was. Now don't fall asleep on me. God's still talking. How many know God's not sleeping? Ready? One, two, three. And then the scripture concludes by saying, and God said, and so it was. And then he looked down and said, it is good. Now I want you to say, it is good. Now come on, say it like a bunch of Cajuns. Say, it is good, Sha. I like it. The Bible says, and God said, and so it was, say, and it was good. Now, this raised seating, I want you to hum at me this morning. I like it. You see this song of creation unfolding, whether it was God said, let there be light, and so there was light, and it was good. God spoke, and the stars came into the sky. And how many of you know God not only, he, he's, he's numbered, but he's named each and every star. And then the scripture says, God spoke something into existence. He divided the land from the sea. God said, and so it was, and it was good. And all the the plants and the animals, and after everything, God evaluates what he's done, and he says, you know what? It's good. Even when he created man. But then he looks down from heaven upon all of his creation, and this song comes to a screeching halt. It's like the concert of the ages was rocking, and then God says, Put on the brakes. Wait, 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 wait a second. It's not good. The one thing he said was not good was for man to be alone. Do you find that fascinating that here God's created this paradise on earth and there man is in sinless perfection and he has fellowship, unbroken fellowship with God, yet God would say it's not good. Can I tell you? Loneliness, being alone, God says it's not good. Can somebody help me preach this morning? You see, there's this, and we've all heard this said, that within every human heart there's a God-shaped void. That nothing can feel but God himself. 
How many of you would agree with that? If that's true, I would say this. Uh, upon Genesis 1 and 2 and looking down at creation and God saying what he did, I think this. Not only is there a God-shaped void within every human heart, I think there's a human-shaped void within our hearts that materialism can't fill, fame can't fill, accomplishment, success. You can't fill it with anything. Even God himself won't fill it. Come on now. Watch this. He said it's not good for man to be alone, but I'm going to do something to help him. I just I feel like this series is going to be so important for us as a church because there is no pain like the pain of loneliness. Uh, there, 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 there's no sting like the sting of being separated, being isolated, being alienated. God looks down upon us, and I think that the reason why this is so important is because you and I were built for relationship. We were built, we were made to do life together. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need me in your life. Now, I know we've got some successful men and women and we're talented and, and we're capable and we've got business acumen and we've accomplished a lot. But even on your best days, there's still something that you need apart from you. You need the help of somebody else. I'll tell you this, a dream can start with one person but is never accomplished by one person. The kingdom of God within you, it may start with you, but it doesn't stop with you. We need others. Can I have a good amen? amen. Somebody say relationships. Now we're calling this relationship goals. And I think this is important too because in life we all need goals. Goals are the metrics that let us know how we're doing. Think about it. In a basketball game, you're supposed to take that basketball and you're supposed to put it in the goal. Come on, how many's watching the, the Warriors and the, the, the Cavaliers? Come on. Any, any, how many of you know that God's favorite basketball player? <laughs> it's Steph Curry, baby face assassin. Ha, ha, ha. I'm just teasing. God loves them all. But go Golden State. Um, <laughs> You know you're successful on the basketball court when you can put the ball in the goal. Same thing for football. You know you win when that football goes across the goal line. If you're playing soccer, the, the idea is to take that ball and kick it in the goal. You've got to put it in the goal in order to win. And we're calling this series Relationship Goals because I believe God wants you to win in life. And he wants you to win in your relationships. He wants you to win. The calling of God may start with you, but it'll, it'll never be accomplished just by you. You're going to need some help. Can I have a good amen? Look with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. And let me be quick to say this. This is not just a series for married couples. In fact, today I want to talk to you about friendship. But next week, next Sunday, do not miss next Sunday, I want to talk to you about singles. I want to talk about singleness. And uh, so for all of you that are single, this is not a, a, a month to dial out and say, oh, man, Mike's just going to remind me of everything that's painful in my life and everything that I don't have. No, no, no. God's going to instruct us in his word. And I feel like I've got a word for all the How many single folk do we have in the house today? Okay, please be here next Sunday. Be here next Sunday. And in fact, married folks, you're not taking the Sunday off. Hey, Mike's talking to the singles. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to go to the camp. I'm going to go to the... No, no, no. You come because you need to be educated. I want to tell you what. The percentages and numbers of singles among us continues to grow. 
And for a long time, I feel like the church hasn't known what to do with singles. But God's given me a word that's going to encourage singles. We're going to do that in the scriptures. So today I'm going to talk to you about friendship. Next Sunday I'm going to talk to you about singles. The following Sunday is Father's Day. So all the dads, we're going to talk about some dad goals. Come on, fellas, where you at? Bringing it strong up in here. Come on, the dog pound up in the house today. So we'll talk about dads, dad goals on Father's Day. And then we're going to finish this series talking about sex. (laughs) Did you hear that? The air just got let out of the room. Some of you wanted to go, yes! What day was that, Pastor? Don't miss a single Sunday, the month of June, as we talk about relationships. Today, I want to talk to you about friendship, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. And yes, we will talk about intimacy. I'm not just kidding. We will will go there. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says it this way. Two people, come on, somebody say two. Two people are better off than one. Two is always better than one. You read that in the scriptures, Jesus sent out his disciples, not one at a time, but he sent them out by twos. Even when Noah built the ark, God brought arrangement of animals onto the ark. How did they step onto the ark? By twos. The scripture says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need help. (laughs) Tell them, you need my help. Two are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. Watch this. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Somebody say real trouble. I'm telling you, we've got a lot of good people that are in bad situations because they are by themselves and they're in real trouble. Now, you know, I think it's it's safe for us to say that life is tough. It's difficult. All of us at one time or another will stumble, will fall, will, will walk into difficult circumstances. And the writer here of Ecclesiastes says, hey, two are better than one. For if, you, if you've got friendship, if you've got relationship in your life, people that you know and love and trust, when you stumble and fall, then that person can reach out and help you in your time of need. Now, I was reading statistics recently, a study came out, you know, and it made me feel like that friendship is on the endangered species list. It's amazing to me the percentage of people in this country that say they don't have a single friend. It, it, it's, it's sad. It's difficult because, you know, in this age of, of, of social media and modern technology, it's amazing how you can have a Facebook account and have a, a thousand followers and still not have a single friend. Social media changes the way that we relate and communicate. And so if we're not careful, the art of friendship We lose something. We lose meaning. We lose significance. We lose value and joy because we're isolated. The very thing, that cell phone, the very thing they said would would make the world smaller and put you in touch with more people is the very tool that the enemy uses to keep us isolated. Come on, can I have a better amen? And our nose is here instead of up here. We don't know how to talk or communicate to each other. We'd rather send a text than actually have a conversation. We're more concerned with posting a picture and seeing how many likes that we have when what our heart really starves for is love. We've got a generation that's searching for likes and they found value. Oh, this picture got 500 likes and this picture got 1,000 likes. But what their heart desperately longs for is love. 
tell you, friendship, relationship, it is paramount. It is tantamount. It is one of the most important things. That's why God would look down at Adam and say, it's not good. There's some amazing things happening around you, but there's an emptiness inside of you, and I want to address that emptiness. Relationship goals. There's no pain like the pain of loneliness. And in the absence of friendship, you see good people doing desperate things. Sometimes loneliness will drive you to medicate. People medicate in different ways. Sometimes they fill their life with busyness. I'm, I'm just going to you know, do a bunch of things so I don't have to pay attention to the void or the silence or the emptiness on the inside of me. Sometimes we chase stuff. Sometimes we feel like we've got to buy stuff, materialism, or sometimes we medicate with drugs and alcohol, all different kinds of things. You see, the very thing that God created in the garden and he built relationship between a couple, then the enemy came and did everything he could to divide. And that's been the tactic of the enemy from that day to this. Every person needs support. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you something about you. You need support now to avoid life support later. Marriages need support now to avoid life support later. Every individual in this room today, you have needs in your life. Now, God will accomplish those things in you and through you, but he has built you. He has wired you not to do life alone, but to do life together. And if you don't get support now, you're going to be in life support later. Does that make sense? That's why one of the most significant environments, and you hear us talk about this all the time, we talk about small groups, small groups, small groups. I cannot underscore enough the importance of a small group environment. If you come to this church, and this is a large church, there are thousands of people that will be in this building today. Thousands have been here already. But if you're not in a small group, it's difficult for you to build life-giving relationships. As valuable as this environment is, it is so one way. It's me speaking, it's God speaking through me to you. But you know what? You not only learn from what you hear on a Sunday, but I think you learn even better in a group. You see, we got rows here, and that's fine. Rows makes the, the, the learning one way, but circles make the learning 360, multidimensional. You can learn from God through other people. Can I have a good amen? And so there's something, it's amazing. You can't measure prevention, but you can measure the absence of prevention. You can measure destruction. A lot of times people don't take preventative measures. Small groups is one of the best ways to not only know God and commit to God, but to connect to others. And, and, and please, my heart as your pastor, and I celebrate large groups, but the Bible says go into all the world and make disciples. How many know Jesus made disciples in a small group? You know, of course, Jesus taught crowds and, and multitudes, but then he called some men. He gathered with some men. He said, listen, up close, close proximity, let's do life together. And I'll tell you this, you will always struggle in your relationship with Jesus if you don't get involved in a small group setting. You can learn God, learn the scriptures, you can learn about yourself so much better in a small group than even you can here now, when you think about friendships, you know, my, my mama said it this way. How many know mama was pretty smart? Mama's a smart lady. And my mama told me this. She said, there are four kinds of people in this world. Those who add, those who subtract, those who multiply, and those who divide. She said, find those who add and multiply the goodness of God in your life and connect with them. 
Be careful of those who subtract and divide. Stay away from them. How many know that was pretty good advice right there? If you need friendship in your life, you've got to find the right environment. I believe the house of God is a place where people will add and multiply the goodness of God into you. You need that. You need what God's doing on the inside of somebody else to help add value to your journey. Let me ask you this. What do you look for in a friendship? If you had a criteria, hey, these are the things that are important to me, what would that list look like? What kind of friend do you want to be? I've made a list of a few things that are going to help us kind of talk through this idea this morning. If you're taking notes, I wrote this down. Here are things that I want in a friendship. I want to have a friend like this, and I want to be a friend like this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, I look for loyalty. Somebody say loyalty. How many know loyalty is a, it is an, a very important characteristic? How many of you want to do life with people that you trust? Somebody that is, is, is for you, even when circumstances might be against you. A loyal person is somebody who loves you, comes alongside of you, and regardless of what it is that you're going through, they believe in you. Do you have that in your life? Do you have people in close proximity that you feel like you can trust? The Bible says in Proverbs 17, verse 17, the scripture says, a friend is always Loyal. Somebody say loyal. In other words, one of the premier qualities of a friendship the Bible recognizes is loyalty. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in the time of need. Isn't that interesting that when the Scripture talks about friendship, it immediately talks about it in the context of struggle. The reason why you need friendships and loyalty is a key quality is because you will eventually reach a time in your life where you will be in need. And the very purpose for a brother, a sister, a friend in Jesus, they are there to help you in your time of need. Now, let me be quick to say this. You can't expect loyalty without investing it first. You've got to invest loyalty if you're going to expect loyalty. You've got to invest commitment if you're going to expect commitment. If you expect authenticity in a relationship, somebody to keep it real, then you've got to first sow that. You've got to plant that in a relationship or in a friendship. I love what the philosopher Aristotle said it this way. He said, close friends share salt together. Now, let me give you the, 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 the Cajun translation of that is, close friends share Tony's sasheries together. <laughs> Come on, Rachel made some red beans yesterday, red beans and rice, and we had a little Tony's on that red beans. Come on, talk to me. Mmm. Mmm. Now, what was he saying? Share salt together. Share Tony's sasheries together. What does that mean? Close friends share salt together. It's not just passing it across the meal table. And how many know we love to eat? We love to break bread. Come on, if you're my friend, we're going to eat somewhere. And you'll be a real good friend to me if you take me to lunch. But it's not just sitting across the table passing the salt, but it's in sharing the flavor of life. Every moment, both bitter and sweet. Can I tell you this? Loyalty is tested not when everything's good, but when the chips are down. How many of you, when you are down in your worst moment, you want a friend that will stand with you, a friend that will believe in you, that when the world walks out, that friend steps in and says, listen, what do you need? 
And it's not necessarily things that they say, but it's simply making themselves available. I'm here for you. You know, we, we've said this phrase. How many have ever used this phrase, hey, I got your back? How many have ever said that? I got your back. What does that mean, I got your back? You know, that, that sounds real kind of cultural, kind of trendy. You know, I got your back. Can I tell you, that's, pulling right, that's pulled right out of the scriptures. We didn't create that in the 21st century. The Bible talks about that. When, when you say, I have your back, you know what you're saying? In fact, David, come up here. David Ray, come up here. All day, David Ray, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, clap your hands, show your love. One of the great pastors, preachers, men of God. Oh, come on. This is my friend. This is my friend, D.W., David Ray. Man, you're looking strong today, man. You are yeah, too. Yeah, that's all right. Appreciate it, man. I like that, bro. You've been working out, haven't you? I crossfit, bro. Can you flat Come on, give me a little something. No? <laughs> okay, so David's a close friend. If I were to tell David, hey, David, I got your back. You know what I'm telling him? Listen, you've got some blind spots. There's some areas in your life that you can't see, but I can see. And so I want you to know I'm not for you just face to face, but when we stand back to back. Now, listen, if we're going to fight, come on, get down and fight in a position, Dave. Come on, Dave. Get down. <laughs> Come on, man. We're like superheroes right now, dude. Get ready. ready. Whew, man, look at that right there. Strong. Which, which one are you? Are you like Iron Man? Chuck Norris. He's Chuck Norris. Oh, great. I was going to say I'm Captain America, but when he's Chuck, man, what? Is, you don't need me. Okay, but even Chuck Norris has blind spots. Come on, somebody. Okay, so now look, if we're going to get in a fight, I, I, I trust David to handle what's in front of him. But how many know there's a lot going on back here that David can't see? But if I'm a friend and I say, David, I've got your back, that means you look that way, you're fighting. I got everything that you can't see. And together, you see this back to back? You see, how many of you have ever had a, a friendship that you thought was legit and they, you thought they had your back, but really they were stabbing you in the back? Come on now. Mm. Mm -mm. I tell David, listen, I know you're strong and you're crossfitting them shoulders and them guns, but listen, I got you back here and whatever you can't see, I'm going to handle. You don't have to worry about it. I got your back. And guess what? I've got blind spots too. As good as we are, even in our best moments and on our greatest days, there are things. The devil will never attack strength. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. The devil will never attack strength. You know what he attacks? Weakness. And guess where you're weak? In the areas that you can't see. But when you have a friend, oh, come on, somebody. When you've got a friend who is loyal to you, not just to your face, but behind your back, he covers the areas that you can't see and brings strength to your weakness. Come on, high five, baby. Come on, what's up, baby? Uh. Uh. What is wrong with me? I told you I was hyper today. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4.12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Turn your neighbor and say, I got your back. Now, here's what you need to know about friendship, and this is why loyalty is so important, because when you know somebody and you trust somebody and you're fully committed to somebody, let me tell you what happens. You battle together, you bleed together, and you bond 
together. There's something to be said for men and women who make a commitment to God and a connection to each other, and they say, I got your back. Because when you go through some things, come on now, life's not some fancy-free, you know, just kind of bounce around from one cloud to the next and sing glory and hallelujah. How many know we live in a real world and there's struggle? And the enemy will try to isolate you, separate you, divide you. But if you'll just lean into relationship, if you'll invest loyalty into someone, that will grow in your life and then you stand back to back and you conquer everybody say loyalty Loyalty. number two the second thing I look for in a friendship not only loyalty but I look for low maintenance (laughs) well help us Jesus now I know that friendships require some maintenance But it can't always be high-strung, complete overhaul every time you get together. Come on, holla. How many of you know people that do drama are emotionally expensive? You can't afford them. Some people are in your life right now, and you're just making a mental note. I can't afford you right now. (laughs) Come on, turn your name and say, save the drama for your mama. Oh, if you're going to be my friend, please don't bring drama up into my life. I got enough problems of my own. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. Now, now listen, we, and I say this in all kindness, but you know these people are out there, don't you? Yeah, I wrote down a quick list. They're the energy vampires that just suck the life and energy out of you. Yes, it's like every time you get around them, you just feel, oh, this was just so draining. <laughs> oh, some of you work with energy vampires. And you're like, oh, man, I just want to get in my cubicle and just keep my head down right here. And they just come, hey, hey, you got, you got a minute? And you're like, uh, uh no. <laughs> I'll be right with you. What's that? What's that? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll be right with you. Sometimes when people require a lot of you, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't encourage you to open your heart. Sometimes, you know, people have challenges and issues, and you're like, listen, God, you're going to have to take care of them. I can't be Jesus to them today. Sometimes there are emotionally draining people. Sometimes there's a group of people I call eggshells. Not only are there energy vampires, but they're eggshells kind of people out there. You know what I mean when I say that? You just have to tip because they're just so sensitive and everything means something and you know when you said something and they kind of took it the wrong way and you know it's like wait that's not what I, I, I didn't oh and you you just they're just so fragile it's hard to maintain because of the super sensitivity listen I can be your friend we can watch a a basketball game together and sit in the same room for two and a half hours and say two sentences to each other and I'm okay I'm okay well he didn't talk to me I wonder if that means that what is he thinking right listen don't please don't read into anything come on don't be super sensitive I love you I care about you but please don't be fragile please don't be eggshells and then there's another group I call the roller coaster group of people the roller coaster how many ever been on a roller coaster and it's highs and it's lows and you never know what you're going to get from day to day. It's like, oh no, here they come. Wow, what does it mean? What's it going to be this time? I'll tell you what, roller coasters are great for theme parks, but they're difficult for friendships. 
You know what? You can draw consistency from your relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I have a good amen? Consistency. You know, and I know life has, you know, ups and downs. Please don't get me wrong. But God can give you stability in your experience as you're trusting him. Roller coasters. And then the final one I identified. Then there's the babbling brook. The babbling brook. Always talk. Always got. And you, and you know these people because when they call you and you see their number on caller ID, you're thinking, Do I have the energy for this one? Because <laughs> you know if you pick up the phone, it's going to be a 45-minute marathon, and you're going to say about two sentences while they just, I mean, they're going to take the whole conversation. You're looking at the clock. You wonder what you got to do next. Do I have the energy for this? I think I'm going to send this one to voicemail. <laughs> or you're in a grocery store, and you see them on aisle three, but they don't see you yet. So then you redirect. I need to go over here. Let me see. Oh, I didn't know this was on sale. Let me get down and walk on by. Oh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. I need, yes, Lord. Oh, oh, how are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I got to let the kids out in the car. I'll, I'll be, yeah, God bless you. Yeah, come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Oh, I love it. Listen, if you're in a friendship, if you're going to build quality relationships, you have to move forward with the spirit that says this, I want more for you than I want from you. See, the challenge with most people is they're looking for something in others that only God can give. High maintenance comes from looking for other people to give you what God has already promised you. You see, good friendship says, hey, I'm not a taker, I'm a giver. And when you draw consistently from your relationship with the Lord, you will always have something to give. You will always have something to contribute in a friendship. You know, it's like a story I heard recently of a pastor that when he was in college, he was going through Bible school, but during the summer times, he worked on a chicken farm, okay? Chicken farm. Ever been on the interstate or on the highway and you were behind one of those big 18-wheelers that were carrying stacks and stacks, cages and cages of chickens? You know, and so he said that his job that summer was to transport all of these caged chickens to this certain location, and then he would unload that truck. He would, would, would take all those cages off the back of that truck, open those cages, and those chickens that were in those cages were tied together. Their legs were all tied together. And his job was to cut the ties on their legs and, in essence, to set them free. And since they had been caged for a long time, had traveled many miles, he would take those cages, unlock them. He would take those chickens, and he would cut the ties from their legs. And he said more often than not, once those ties were cut from the legs of those chickens, they just sat there. He said, my favorite part of the job, I got to slap those chickens. He said when he slapped those chickens, they kind of woke up and they just started flying and flopping and running all over the place. And the reason why I said it is because they had been caged for so long, they were free and didn't realize it. And so he had to boom. Wait a second. You're free. You need a friend. Come on now. Some of you need friends that will slap you when you need to be slapped. 
and tell you, wait a second, quit acting like you're all bound. Jesus has done everything he's going to do already to set you free. Come on, talk to me. He that the son is set free is what? Quit acting like you're bound. You see, you, you got to have friends in your life that want more for you than from you. People that will tell you not just what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Can I have a good amen? amen. Come on, somebody say loyalty. loyalty. Say low maintenance. Amen. Somebody say laughter. Amen. This final thought, and I want the band to come up. Fun is such a huge factor when it comes to being a friend. Who are the people that you enjoy being like, being with, spending time around, those that make you laugh, those that enjoy life. In fact, some of you, it would do you good sometime today before you lay your head on your pillow, whether it's your spouse or a close friend, you need to ask them this question. Am I fun to be with? Oh, it's getting quiet in here. <laughs> Scale of one to ten. Give me a number and why. Am, am I fun? Do you enjoy hanging out with me? Now, if you get some low scores, that may help you understand about you. See, listen, we talk about blind spots. All right? The Bible says the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Well, if joy is the equivalent to strength, then the absence of joy must mean weakness. I think friendships are healthy when they're doing life and enjoying life and adding value to each other. you got to do some on-purpose fun stuff. Have fun. Be intentional about going to do something, making memories. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, Mike, listen, before I got saved, I was the life of the party. And I'm like, well, what happened? He's like, well, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm like, what Jesus are you talking about? Because that's, that's not the Jesus that I serve. In fact, the Jesus that I serve, he told me that he came that I might have life and I might have it more abundantly. That I might have it, the, the, the John 10, 10 in the Amplified, he says that you might have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. You know a good friendship is built on? Loyalty, low maintenance. But if you don't have laughter, you are missing something. Oh, God wants you to be fully alive in your spirit. And that's why I tell people, you know, I think I said this a couple Sundays ago. I can't remember. I'm the happiest person in this church. Ain't nobody in this church going to be happier than me. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Everybody in here is fighting for second place. I mean, I know we got some happy people. But you're not going to be filled with more joy than me. My joy is so full to be able to, to, to pastor this church and be a part of your life. I just feel like it is my responsibility to set that thermostat. I want to be the happiest person in this church. I want to be the happiest person in my home. I asked the kids the other day. We were taking them to school. Said, we were talking about something. And then I was like, oh, well, who do you think the happiest person in our family is? They said, you got to ask. It's you. And it's disgusting. <laughs> Lord bless you. <laughs> you see, listen, if the only thing that was right about you was your level of joy in the Lord, 
If that's the only thing about your Christianity that you got right, maybe you don't know the Bible. Maybe you don't know a lot of scriptures. Maybe you've never taken a Bible course or you feel ill-equipped or inadequate when it comes to your calling. If the only thing that you got right about your Christianity was your joy in the Lord and it was just so obvious that everybody saw it and wanted it for themselves, you would be the most effective evangelist on the planet. I'm telling you, people are drawn like a magnet to the life that's inside of you and me. That's why when people come to this church, I want them to sense the presence of God Almighty. Jesus said, my joy is in you so that your joy might be what? Fall. You know what friendship is about? It is about loyalty. It is about love maintenance, but it is about laughter and joy, the joy that we experience in Jesus. Amen. Now, now let, let me close this way. And here's how I feel instructed by the Spirit of God. Because I know we talk about relationships. And the truth is, the enemy of your soul wants to keep you isolated. Some of you have come here today, and it would pain me as a pastor. It, it would pain me as your pastor that you would be a part of a great church like Healing Place. And you would come each and every Sunday. But yet you leave with an emptiness in your soul because you don't have a single friend. It would hurt me. I would feel like I'm not a good pastor if you haven't been able to build relationships in this environment. And sometimes we talk about friendship, and, and it, here's what I sensed even this morning as I was praying and preparing for how to close. Some of you, your heart is open to God, but it's closed to others. And you've been very guarded, you know why? Because you've been hurt in a friendship. You've been wounded in a relationship. And you love Jesus, and yet you know you need friends, but it's just easier, it's safer if you just kind of do your thing your way so you don't have to run the risk of being hurt again. Hear me, by the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, this is a word for somebody. Relationships always require risk. Always. Always. You can't uh, escape risk when it comes to any relationship. Even Jesus himself, don't you think he was running a risk coming to this earth knowing that the very people he would give himself to, one would betray him, another would deny him, another would doubt him, and at his lowest moments, everyone ran from him. Yet Jesus said this, greater love has no man than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love. There is no greater love. And I said all this today about relationships to tell you this one thing. God in heaven loves you. And Jesus is a friend that will stick closer than any brother. And if you'll get this relationship right Horiz uh, vertically first with him then all of your horizontal relationships God I'm telling you you put God in his rightful place and let God bring healing to your wounded spirit then you'll see God will bring men and women individuals into your life friendships that your heart longs for and that you desperately need would you trust him today would you trust him today thank you for listening for more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2000.
2273.